Hey, Mystery Solvers, we have some great mysteries to talk about today. But first, we want to introduce you to another awesome podcast. Hey, listeners, my name is Krista, and I host a narrative true crime podcast called The Dark Divide. I've always been interested in the circumstances and events which shape a seemingly ordinary life into something made out of our worst nightmares. And now I get to take you all along through the depths of obsessive research and my need to explore the unknown. So I invite you to come stare into the abyss with me. Right now we're available on iTunes and Podbean. See you there. It's recording, so oh no, we're ready to go. Okay, or are we? No. Well, well I mean, are we ever? No, no. So we're right on track. Hello, <laughs> welcome to the Perhaps It's You podcast. This is an unofficial, so unofficial rewatch podcast of your favorite show, Unsolved Mysteries, Our the first- classic Robert Stack episodes. Yeah, not those goddamn Dennis Farina episodes. We'll never talk about those. <laughs> So Unsolved Mysteries, maybe it's your favorite show. Maybe it's a show that you never, ever watch. Doesn't matter. This is still your favorite podcast. I assume it is. I assume it is. Um, I apologize if I sound a little weird. I'm emerging from a cocoon of illness to make this podcast. I've been sick for forever. One of your illnesses. Liz has been sick with, I think, multiple... Multiple the stomach it's also flu, the possible regular flu. that a child coughed in my face. Yeah. Whatever. Do you have any updates? I have... Only the update that in the last episode, when discussing Bumpy the Kid, <laughs> aka Brushy Bill, yeah, I perhaps was not clear when complaining about Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> I, I, there seemed to have been some confusion. I was not claiming that Bill O'Reilly thought he was Billy the Kid. Although that would be hilarious. That would be a level of delusion that would be surprising even from Bill O'Reilly, <laughs> which is something. Yes. Uh, no, that's not what I was trying to articulate. I was trying to say that he believed Brushy Bill's story, that he was Billy the Kid. Right. Not that Bill O'Reilly was Billy the Kid. There's a lot of Bills involved, which I can understand why people were confused. I'm sure I didn't say it in a very understandable way. Well, what came across clear was your <laughs> hatred for Bill O'Reilly. Well, good. That's the important part. Which is all that we really wanted to come across, but we thought we should clarify. He dragged his F- ex-wife down the stairs by her hair he's a garbage human so yeah i have absolutely i mean in addition to his abhorrent political views he's also a terrible person and i have nothing but disdain for him same yeah so there there we go that's my update (laughs) i have a brushy bill sort of update too um i was on instagram hashtagging some of our photos with brushy bill roberts and so i decided to see what you know other people were hashtagging sure of course his grave so he's buried in texas at the oakwood cemetery in hamilton and his grave is large it's like a huge memorial and it says billy the kid on it and i'm not saying that there's people on social media who seem to think that that is billy the kid's grave and take photos in front of it but there's a, a couple out there. Um, if you want to see it, you can check out Instagram. Or he has a find a grave page. His name is actually Ollie. Ollie Henry Roberts. Wait, what? Yes. So his, his real- name's not brushy. His name Bill? isn't even William. It's Oliver Pleasant Roberts. Is well, I think he was born Oliver Pleasant Roberts. 
but the correct name was Ollie Henry Roberts. It's not clear to me. He had several different names, but it, none of them were William. At least not I like officially. Feel deceived. <laughs> if you go to his find a grave page, they they know a lot about his birth, where he was born, when he was born, his family. Like this guy was not Billy the Kid. All right, um, it's evident just by glancing at his find a grave page. Huh. But he claimed right up until the end that he was Billy the Kid, including a humongous marker. It's like an arch almost over his regular, okay. like a smaller marker, and it says Billy the Kid across the top. Um, this made me wonder where Billy the Kid's actual grave is. Um, and it turns out that there's, first of all, there's two markers that claim to be Billy the Kid's grave. The one that people seem to think is real is in at the old Fort Sumner Cemetery. Okay. And there's a his actual marker is there. They've surrounded it with a cage because it's been stolen several times. Oh. But they don't know if it's on the right place. They've guessed at where he's actually buried because I guess they used to use wooden markers. And sure. shortly after he was buried, like the entire cemetery got washed away in a storm. So they don't actually know where he's buried. They just know he's buried somewhere in that cemetery. And um, it's an interesting marker because he's buried or he was buried with some of his like friends and his mark the, huh. the marker on it says pals and then it says his oh. name and then one of his friends oh. his friend's name pals here's here lies billy the kid with and his, his pals bffs so that's where if you want to visit his actual huh. alleged grave site it's in the old fort sumner cemetery in new mexico there's a, a billy the kid museum that claims to have uh, like another grave but it's not the real one okay um that's suspect. And none of them are in Texas at Brushy Bill's grave. Anyway. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, I don't know if anyone cares about graves as much <laughs> as we do, but you can check it out on Instagram. I once randomly made my mom volunteer at the museum that I was working at, and this guy just came up to her. This is an art museum, by the way. Not a historical museum. Certainly not a Billy the Kid museum. <laughs> Did the exhibit on display have anything to do with Billy the Kid? Absolutely not. Uh, this guy just came up to her. She was sitting at the desk and was like, where's Billy the Kid buried? And she was like, I don't know. <laughs> and the guy was like mad. That she didn't know. That she didn't know. And she was kind of like, you don't know either. <laughs> That's why you're asking me. This is an art museum. Not What do you think What do you think you're going to get? Yeah. Anyway, that's that's all I could think while you were explaining where his grave was. Well, now we like, know. You don't know either. Why are you? Um, yeah, so... That's the last we're ever going to talk about Billy the Kid, I think. Unless I there's, there's more hope. Unsolved Mystery segments about him. And I also hope it's the last we talk about Bill O'Reilly. Uh, it will be, for sure. We'll make sure of that. <laughs> I have two more updates. Oh, wow. Unless okay. you have anything. So no. the next thing I wanted to say was a big thanks to listeners Jazz and Sarah. Did you see this email? Yes. So I was uh, last Friday in line at Caribou Coffee waiting for my bagel and sipping my chai tea. It was the day after my birthday and I was taking Travis to get his wisdom teeth out. Oh, right. And before going to pick him up, I stopped for my free birthday chai. Um, And I'm sipping it, waiting for my bagel, checking emails on my phone because I had the day off, but emails keep rolling in. And I saw that an email had come into our Perhaps It's You inbox and it was from Jazz and Jazz's girlfriend, Sarah. And they wanted to tell us about a future MVM that they saw. It's pretty remarkable. In season six. And Mm -hmm. I was... It's one of those things where there was a bunch of text and then the picture, you couldn't see it until you scrolled down. So I'm scrolling through reading this really hilarious email, by the way. Jazz and Sarah are hilarious. And then all of a sudden this picture comes up and I <laughs> literally do a spit take standing in caribou. It is so funny. I will uh, go check us out on Instagram when this 
this episode comes out, I'll make sure to post it so you can see. It's from season six, and I'm like, I can't wait to talk about this guy. <laughs> They've dubbed him Lip Curtain, which yeah, I thought was hilarious. Very, it's hilarious, but very accurate. He looks like a mad scientist. I'm looking at him right now, and it's literally a lip, like, curtain that just falls over his top lip. It's, I don't even know how else to describe it. It's just perfection. Go check us out on Instagram. Perhaps it's you. They also sent a follow-up email because I emailed them back right away being like, you are are our new favorite listeners. Yeah. Come hang out with us. And Sarah responded and she attached some more photos that I really appreciate. One is Robert Stack at the prom with Liz Taylor. It's the most glamorous thing I've ever seen. It's perfection. It's exactly what you think it is. I want my whole life to be like that. So thank you so much. If you guys are watching Unsolved Mysteries, ahead of us and some awesome mustaches come up do not hesitate to send them our oh, way oh yeah we still want i them. love them so much these the, they were hilarious and jazz and sarah are funny just by themselves and then they sent these amazing photos you guys i love you thank you so much and we'll post them on instagram so go check them out yes where all the great mustaches are instagram my final update which is not really an update is this episode's gonna come out on valentine's day oh right i would like to get a hashtag off the ground Okay. Called hashtag unsolved valentines. Ooh. I would like our listeners who are more creative than us, funnier than us. Sure. Which is all of them. Which is all of you. Mm-hmm. To make some unsolved mysteries valentines. I'm thinking like Robert Stack saying something like, perhaps you could be my valentine. But funnier, <laughs> right? Because that's what I would come up with and I'm not funny. Um, tag us in them on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Love hashtag it. unsolved valentines. I think it's a dumb holiday, right? We c- I mean, I'm not romantic, so of course I say that. <laughs> I think so- getting some Unsolved Mysteries Valentine's would be really nice. And you could send them to your loved ones or your friends. Yeah. We just celebrated Galentine's yesterday. Yeah, I was going to say, Galentine's is the way preferable holiday over Valentine's. So if you'd prefer an Unsolved Galentine instead, we'll take, em- we'll take them all. Yeah. For your friends. Celebrate yeah. your friends. You don't need to celebrate romantic love. You can celebrate other loves. Yeah, friendship. Yeah. Love, love of unsolved mysteries. Love of unsolved mysteries. Or just the, like, the fact that you're awesome. You can celebrate that. We can celebrate all of those. And yeah. we'll share our favorites on social media. So make sure you take us in them. Love it. That's a great idea. I, th- I you know, just, it'll be a new holiday. Who wouldn't want that? You know? I would like some unsolved Valentines. Yeah. A Valentine from Robert Stack. Or some particularly amazing characters. Maybe, what was that guy's name? John Johnson with the Magic Rock? <laughs> You just want someone to look at you the way he looks at that rock. Listen. <laughs> you know it's true love. If you see the that way look, yeah. he gazed at that magic rock and, and lovingly stroked it. That's true love. Yeah. We could all wish for that. To be so so at peace. Yes. So blissful. Yes. Do you have anything else? Or should we get into this? I was going to give a very quick shout out to listener Robin, who also suggested the Bigfoot band name sax squatch oh yeah and then i totally snubbed him and i gave all the credit to my husband mac because mac beat him to it robin i'm sorry please forgive me it's kind of amazing and serendipitous that two people came up with the band name <laughs> sax squatch Squatch, and that they should go on tour with jazz loon yes yeah he also said that that's amazing yeah and then he was like why don't i get credit for that awesome idea <laughs> well sorry was like, who's mac what are you talking about <laughs> and i was like oh he's this man who lives here yeah he gets the credit, yeah. but Robin did also come up with that idea. Yeah, so sorry, Robin. Yeah. Yeah, uh, let's, 
let's do this i don't really want to do this but okay here's the thing (laughs) my mysteries we are if you're following along on amazon we're on episode 21 of season one my episodes are fucking amazing i love oh my second and what do i have treasure <laughs> fucking Samantha treasure half this episode is treasure biggest treasure treasure segment it yeah it is like half the episode <laughs> it's just old men walking around going where's the treasure where's the treasure where's the treasure it's like half so half this episode is treasure half of the treasure segment is just aerial shots of arizona yeah which isn't so kind of nice. But... I mean, there's a lot of saguaros, mountains, <laughs> yeah. some like nice flute music, but a lot of flute. Like, dude, a all... lot of flute it's, music. It's not that much mystery. It's like fifty percent aerial shots. Oh, uh, where's that rare fifty percent mystery? That's the mystery. Oh my god. Well, we'll get into it. Okay, in a so second. we got another. I one. had a great time working on this episode, and Samantha had a miserable time yeah, well, working on it. It's just how the f- cards fall, unfortunately. Um, cause I think my two segments are really damn good. The first one, Unexplained Death. This is the case of Lisa Marie Kimmel. It's from March 26, 1988. So poor Lisa was 18. She was a manager at a fast food restaurant. After work, she was driving from her home in Denver, Colorado to go visit her boyfriend, Ed, in Wyoming. So she was leaving right after work. She was supposed to get to him like about midnight, right? Mm-hmm. Driving on, like, a little road trip. She never makes it there. Her friend, by the way, uh, Ed, had a nice mustache. He's not my pick for MVM. He oh. looked a little unkempt to me. He was my pick. Oh, was he? Yes. He's got he's a little bit of wild hair going on. He seems so sweet and adorable. He's he wearing really a sweater nice. vest. He was clearly heartbroken over Lisa. He has a mustache. I mean, I don't know. It, <laughs> it hit all the boxes for me. We'll have to leave it to our Instagram followers to decide. Yeah. So she never makes it to her boyfriend. The last known sighting of her, because when she doesn't show up, Ed calls the authorities and is inquiring about her whereabouts. Has anyone seen her? She did get a traffic ticket, a speeding ticket, on her way to Wyoming. So that's like the last time that she's sighted, seen, officially. 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 We'll get into that. So she's driving an 88 Honda CRX, which has the, what Robert Stack referred to as spunky license plate, <laughs> Little Miss. L-I-L, right? L-I-L Miss. space M-I-S-S. Okay, so that's important, y'all. <laughs> It'll be important later. It'll be important later. So um, they, you hear from the highway patrol officer that stopped her for speeding. That was about nine on that Friday. You mean Sheriff Ron Ketchum? Which was literally his name. I didn't even think about his last name is Ketchum. Yes. And he was a little strange. I don't know. He kept describing her as well kept, which made me uncomfortable. And at one point he said she was the kind of girl you'd like to have for a daughter. That was creepy. Which was very creepy. Actually, if they hadn't solved this, I would be like, look into that The first thing I thought was, wait, he stopped her for speeding in the middle of the night? Has anyone looked into this dude? Yeah. I don't think he had anything to do with it, but he was a little creepy. As it turns out, he does not have anything to do with it, but... If this was like a law and order or something, this would be the red herring where you're like, what about that guy? Yeah, Sheriff Ron Ketchum. A little suspicious. A little suspicious. But anyway, he's just a bit creepy, as it turns out. <laughs> so, so, oh, so on April 2nd, mechanic Greg Bradford is walking along the river and he finds her body. And the way he talks about it, I'm really curious to know how Unsolved Mysteries gets these very like genuine moments with people where I feel like... 
the men guy who-, who probably don't express their emotions very much are very like revealing of how these incidents affected them. He really was. He was similar to the guy who found what was her name in the small town. Her body behind the school. Yeah. Um. There was a s- similar situation with that guy where he really got choked up. Yeah. Describing finding her and how how difficult that was for him to see. Which, yeah, of course it is. It's just I think that would be a hard thing to talk about and a hard thing, especially to on camera. Express and I feel like Unsolved Mysteries did a good job of getting people to open up. Anyway, they really did. So he is out fishing in the morning. He sees what he realizes is the body of a woman he's kind of in denial about it at first because he doesn't want it to be true but mm-hmm. then he remembers there's a report of a girl got missing and goes oh that must be her yeah and, and she was really brutally murdered as well yeah, so that must have been she a had gruesome been sight beaten, bound and raped before she'd been murdered she had been stabbed six times they say in a distinctive manner but they don't describe how i think they wanted to keep that evidence to themselves right. for investigation reasons. Robert Stack at one point refers to it as bizarre torture. So it was, I'm guessing, a slow death. I don't. It's it, brutal, at least. Yes. Horrific, certainly. Um, yeah, this is a sad one. This is this is really sad. This is sad. But I also feel like this segment is produced really well. I like... The reenactments were really good, especially the opening scene on the bridge where they shoot, like, a shot of a puddle on the ground. And in the puddle, you see the reflection of the man pulling her dead body out of the car and carrying it to the edge of the bridge. You see the reenactment in a reflection. It's It's very stylish and well done. It's not something I would expect to see on network television at this time. No, it was really good. I think... I mean, it's something we talked about before, but Unsolved Mysteries, like, has a style, and it has an aesthetic, and it has an attention of the things that it put together. Mm-hmm. And some of it is aged better than others. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't mean it's not, like, compelling television. Even though there's stuff we make fun of for being cheesy, there's still there's this stuff, other moments where you're like, whoa. That was, that was really, really well really done. Really well done. The shot of them collecting her body, too. Yeah. You really got a sense from how they did the music, the angles that they shot it at, that it was a solemn moment. Where it's like it, a really low shot, and you see her body in the water, and the authorities the, the, coming to get it, and then them just like so carefully stepping out of the river. It's quiet. You can tell it that it really sets the scene for it. Was it was grim and solemn, and just really well done. Yeah. So her her body had been thrown off a bridge, and they know this because some lights were seen on it. I don't know. But they, they found blood, and it was a bridge that was somewhat inaccessible and seldom used, so that made them think that the killer was local because a lot of people wouldn't have known about it, I guess. Okay. What the, the added mystery that I think makes this segment so cool is you have this true crime murder case, but then you almost get this like added paranormal aspect, mm-hmm. which is that Lisa and her car were reported sighted a thousand times. I wrote down a thousand in all capital letters with a bunch of question marks. That's a insane. thousand times after she is dead. Yeah. And it's because they had already, before they found the body, they had already put out this missing persons report. But even after she's found, they continuously get these sightings. And you heard from a couple people who cited her. Two of them were in Buffalo, which would have been two hours out of her way. 
But it was because she had this personalized license plate. It was so distinctive. That people were like, oh, I saw, you know, Little Miss, the Montana license plate, Little Miss, and I remembered it because my friend's dog has that name. Or, mm-hmm. like, people had these reasons why they would remember that. So it's just, it's an interesting wrinkle in it. Yeah, and I will say they did sketches of her based on witnesses who saw her in this car and none of them look like her or like each other and then she they kept being she kept being cited wearing colors that no one had ever seen her wear before like yellow and pink i kind of wrote down who in the 80s did not have a pink and yellow sweater that was bizarre to me too but apparently those weren't her colors apparently and she didn't wear them weren't. well and she was uh ron ketchum saw her when she when he pulled her over she was wearing a black and white sweater Right. And she kept being cited wearing yellow and pink, which is very strange, but I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, because if you see such a distinctive license plate, you're going to remember that. I think it just has to be a coincidence. I think there has to be a very similar license plate on a similar car. Possibly. The other thing is that people... Little Miss spelled slightly differently. You know what I mean? Like, there just... There has to be some sort of weird coincidence reason. But it's bizarre. It's bizarre, and... Also, people's memories as far as time, like you might think, well, I saw her on the specific day, but maybe you saw her a couple days earlier. That's true. Our memories tend to, like days tend to bleed together. It's possible that these people did see her. It was just earlier than they thought or... I don't know that Lisa has, the the license plate thing is weird. I don't know that Lisa herself has such a distinctive look right? that... That the, these eyewitnesses' accounts would necessarily... Like, she just has blonde, like, Farrah you know, big 80s hair. Right. A lot of people had that look at that time. It's, I mean, we're not talking about someone with, like, a purple mohawk. I really appreciated the woman who said that she saw the license plate, and then she pulled up beside the car and looked over because she wanted to see if the person sitting in the car matched the license plate. How often do we do that? Usually it's if someone's being a dick. You're like, I want to see if you look like as big of an idiot as you're acting. And like you look at them from the other car. Like, people do that all the time. I thought that was so funny. Yeah. I... I did write down, people pay a lot more attention to license plates than I do, because people were like, oh, I saw the Montana plates, and I'm from Montana, and I was just like, no. That's like, true, none I of pay this, zero attention None to of this would plates. be going through my head, but it did make the eyewitness accounts very believable. Yeah. My other note to that is that I've totally had a doppelganger before, where when I used to live in Las Cruces, all the time I would go somewhere, and people would say, weren't you here yesterday? And I'd be like, no, I've never been here before. And it happened continuously. Did you ever meet this person in I never life? did, but Mac saw her. Oh. And was like, yeah, that bitch looks exactly like you. <laughs> that there was someone who looked so much like, I and mean, even wore clothes like I would wear. That's crazy. So, I, I don't know. Sure. So if that person is like out there committing crimes, like, Listen, I just watched the stupid Cloverfield Paradox movie. Maybe it was you from another dimension. Maybe. If we kill her, will you die? I don't. I <laughs> probably not. Just kidding. Probably not. Uh, anyway. So anyway, Lisa might have had a doppelganger. Maybe there was someone else with like kind of her look who also had a Little Miss license plate. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe there was a little Miss. I don't. I don't know. It, it is weird. That part of the case is never explained. No, they kind of just leave that. Alone. However, eventually DNA catches. The killer. Yep. In 2002, DNA from Lisa's body was texted. It was texted? It was texted. Over the phone? 
Oh my fucking god, it was tested and linked to Dale Wayne Eaton, who was already in prison because he was on serving time for an unrelated weapons charge. He was charged with Lisa's death and found guilty and sentenced to death, right? He was. And then that was reversed? It was later. So I found an article about his death sentence being reversed. And I I skimmed the article. What I will say is that he confessed to holding her captive in his Moneta, Wyoming compound for six days Ugh. before he killed her. And he apparently buried her car under 10 feet of dirt. I don't know. What? But when they he buried a whole car? I'm assuming he had like, construction totally equipment or es- like ex- ex- excavation equipment on his compound. But when they so he got had a trial and it was an extremely fast trial. Apparently the state tried to save money on his defense by only giving him one public defender. These days if you're on trial for a capital crime, I'm pretty sure in every state someone can tell me how wrong I am. You have to have at least two Sure. Public defenders or two attorneys. And that wasn't the case back then. He had one really shitty attorney who did not... uh, They allege later that they just skimmed over his mental health issues. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why his death sentence was later reversed. I don't know the status after that, if the state appealed it um, or what happened. I don't think he's been executed. He is not. People on the Unsolved website were very upset that he is not been executed if he is guilty of this crime i mean his new lawyers when they were trying to get his death sentence reversed were not arguing that he didn't do it they said yes he did do it but his original trial his original defense attorney did not look into his mental health issues well enough that he didn't sure that wasn't included in his yeah they failed to adequately defend him i mean basically no one has ever denied that he did it and okay. he confessed to it. Yeah, and there was DNA evidence to link him to the crime. And he had apparently done something similar before to an entire family who oh he God. like picked up while they were hitchhiking or something, or they had car trouble. And it was like a woman and her husband and a very young child, and they oh. ended up like fighting their way away from him. So he's he had a history of doing this before. According to Unsolved Mysteries Wiki, he is considered a possible suspect in the Basin Murders, which is a series of unsolved murders throughout the Pacific Northwest that took place between 1983 and 1996. He is also a possible suspect in the disappearance of Amy Ray Betchel, and a subsequent invocation determined that he was in that area at the time of her disappearance. They don't know that he hasn't been charged in that case. The thing that I found that was really interesting is that in a civil suit... Lisa's family was awarded his property. Oh. And they burned it to the ground. Oh my God. That's amazing. Which I was like, are they me? This is literally on the Unsolved website, the last sentence. Lisa's parents were awarded Dale Eden's property in a civil suit and burned the buildings to the ground. That's amazing. And I love them. Yeah. I. That's incredible. Yeah. I hope they took some of the ashes and sent them to him in prison. <laughs> Have they swept them into a little envelope and we're like, oh, would you like your house back? Here it is. We'd like our daughter back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was a sad one. It's a very sad, horrible, horrible case. It's like a nightmare scenario for anyone that, you know, this is the, this is the type of shit why we get told we shouldn't go out at night, right? Because yeah. it's like, oh, well, there's this like one in a million chance that you'll run across a fucking Dale Eaton and then... Kill 
he'll torture you and bury your car. Ugh. I, I, I feel like everybody deserves an adequate defense. There's I mean, that's that true. We've said aspect, it before. Our justice system has to work for everyone, even the monsters. Man. And fortunately... It's hard, to, it's hard to feel sympathetic for this person. It really, really is. Fortunately... It was just his death sentence that got overturned and not... Oh, yeah. You know, he didn't go free. Because that would be Well, this is also the kind of thing where, like, if he went free, don't you think a mob of people with picked forks would rise up and he would no longer be among the living? Right? Yeah, probably. Does anybody want to live in a world where this guy was let free on some technicality? No. No. Not at all. No. It's a very sad case. I do think it's worth watching. I love the mysterious element of why were why was there a thousand sightings of her? That's crazy. It is crazy, and it's one of those things we can't easily dismiss. No, as people with bad memories, or because she had such a distinctive license plate. And if you're seeing a woman, I mean, if you saw this this dude is very recognizable. If you saw that dude driving the car around, yeah, you'd be like, all right, well, he killed her. And you're took like, her car. that's not little miss. But they saw a blonde haired pretty woman driving it around she was a blonde haired pretty woman i mean it's it's bizarre yeah you can't just you can't explain it a thousand people it's, that's crazy yeah so that I, was a good one it's a good segment yeah thank god because the next one sucks <laughs> that one's gonna haunt me that poor lisa rough. marie that is rough it's rough and your last one was similar similarly yeah rough. yeah we'll get to it in like a million years because we have a lot of treasure to talk about i mean we don't have to <laughs> We can go, there once upon a time was an old man, he claimed there was a treasure. It probably wasn't the end. Was there? Was he just like on his deathbed yanking anyone's train because he's a dick? We don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, well, here we go. <laughs> so, this segment opens with some airplane shots of mountains set to what sounds like wooden flute music. This reminded me, did you ever walk around a mall and there was like the little like folding tables set up where people are selling like literally cds of flute music yes and this sometimes is, those wooden frogs that you yes you rub the stick on its back my and mother it a purchased a cd i wonder if we still have it i should look for it because she purchased one of those cds <laughs> once and like this music is exactly what was on that cd that sounds just like it it's amazing <laughs> we should record you and sell an Let's album just, we'll just sell that in the mall <laughs> Can you imagine it's us with, like, a little plan. folding table? And it's just you? Yeah. At Harmar Mall. <laughs> the strip mall where we had sushi yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. would be amazing. Shout out to Harmar. <laughs> Which is my favorite strip mall. I mean... I mean... It's inside, and it's got everything. It has uh, Marshalls. Yeah. It has a Home Goods. It has a Tuesday morning, and it has a, a Michaels and a Barnes & Noble. It's the like a fucking paradise. largest Barnes & Noble. It's gigantic. With a used book section I learned yesterday. It's so weird. It's a, a literal paradise. Yeah. And you and can get... all-you-can-eat sushi. Delicious all-you-can-eat sushi. I could live there. Come to Minnesota, everyone. <laughs> it's so good. We have some amazing things. Yeah. It's so good. Mall of America and eh, whatever. Yeah. Harmar. Harmar's where it's at. <laughs> weirdest tangent yet. Harmar. It's where it's at now. There's been some sketchy shit that's gone on in the past at Harmar. Well, some uh, organized crime. But it's that's in the past. Whatever. These days, it's a paradise of thrifty stores. I mean, there's nothing better than eating as much sushi as you can that's honestly delicious. And then in your food coma, wandering over to Marshall's. And impulsively buying shit you don't need. Yeah, it's so good, guys. How many candles did you buy yesterday? I only bought one. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. 
Did I buy other junk? Yes, but... Oh, yeah. Same. <laughs> but whatever. I do regret not getting the pizza socks. <laughs> <laughs> the I love pizza socks? Yeah. I bought a pair of those. Well, I wore them last night. Damn. Okay. They were, had sparkly red toes. That's the real treasure, everyone. Yeah. The I love pizza socks you can buy at Marshall's. Maybe they're also at TJ Maxx. Go check them out. <laughs> Hurry in to your local Marshall's or TJ Maxx. So weird. <laughs> and get some I love pizza socks. They're in the Valentine section. Yeah. Anyway. The real Valentine. Yes. Pizza. <laughs> so as we're treated to these lovely vistas, Robert Stack says that the Superstition Mountains in Arizona cover 160,000 acres of desolate, rugged terrain. It is a solid name for mountains. The Superstition Mountains. I love it. Yeah. If I would name, if I could name a mountain range, that's what I would name it. I mean, I would rob- name it probably the Robbie Stacky Mountains, but <laughs> second. The Perhaps It's You Mountain the Range. Perhaps It's You podcast. Rate us five stars, Mountain Range. <laughs> but where are you going camping this weekend? Well, the perhaps it's you, Robert Stack. Rate us five stars in iTunes, Mountain Range. It's a lovely wilderness area. Is lots that, of trails. Oh my god, is that going to happen? Are people going to be able to buy the night naming rights to mountain ranges? If and they then- could, we should try. <laughs> we, should, we should do it. Not like. I don't Bank of America or something. No, the Perhaps is You podcast. Perhaps is You podcast is like, oh, we we bought the naming rights for this whole mountain range. <laughs> I don't know if we could afford a whole mountain range. We may be able to afford like one peak, like a boulder. Yeah, like one pass. Maybe the Perhaps It's You pass. Oh, that sounds very mysterious. It does yeah. Okay, well, look out for that by Capybara Ranch. The Perhaps It's You pass. It would only be appropriate if. Uh, a group of people went hiking and got stranded up there and had to eat each other. <laughs> that's not... And then there was legends about how it could have been aliens. Why was I surprised that that's what you said? <laughs> Obviously, you were going to say it, and then it becomes the Donner Party. Yeah, that's... I mean... Then it would be appropriately would named. Be appropriate. No, I'm just kidding. I would never want that to happen. The Samantha Pass. <laughs> the Samantha Pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not even your, have quite as nice of a ring to not it. Not even your last Perhaps name, it's you pass. Just the Samantha pass. According to legend, these mountains contain the richest deposits of gold in America. The Lost Dutchman's Gold Mine. Sure. Hundreds of stories about this mine are tied to one man, a German prospector named Jacob Waltz, who is said to have discovered the mine in 1876. His nickname was the Dutchman. And I wrote down, not sure why, since he was German and not Dutch, but okay. <laughs> Never explained. That's very confusing. It's never explained. Not helpful. Yeah. We just have to go with it, I but guess I don't like it. The German wasn't a very good nickname, so they called him the Old du- the German mine. The oh. Dutch. Tom Kolenbord, a historian, calls Jacob Waltz a student of mining. He tells us that the old timers were very astute to the fact of geology. Not sure what that means, but... He also helpfully tells us that if you are going to go out into the mountains and look for gold, you really want to go somewhere where gold has already been found. Oh, thank you for that. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you would think. I, uh... Wow. (laughs) Is that common sense? Is that even worth saying that was what the old timers you know they were students of mining they uh they really knew geology they went where gold already was decades of (laughs) practice led them to that true essential (laughs) nugget of both gold and wisdom (laughs) go where there's already gold if you're looking for gold Uh, oh yeah i've been doing it wrong this whole time fuck (laughs) 
don't go where no one's ever found gold. That's a waste of time. Go where there's already gold. Brilliant. Oh, they're so smart. Thank you, Tom. So it sounds like (laughs) most people didn't just go out prospecting in what Robert Stack calls unpromising locations. So they didn't just go out and like randomly poke around. I love that phrase. Hoping to find gold on unpromising locations. Yeah. We could describe a lot of things as an unpromising location. I'm picturing a calendar of just like kind of beat up warehouses and... Other places. Oh, unpromising you, locations. Unpromising locations. 2018. I'm picturing this flying off the shelves. <laughs> yeah. It, no, this is definitely <laughs> what is in Barnes & Noble, in the clearance rack, like still in June, <laughs> the unsold calendar, and you pick it up, you're like, oh, what's this? Un- oh, unpromising locations. No one, no one about that. Could have told you. Uh, yeah, and uh, I don't know, random places in Arizona where there isn't any gold could be featured. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so apparently Walt did go out and just like randomly prospect places where he didn't know if there was gold. And according to legend, he was rewarded by apparently finding this mine. Uh, 15 years after he found the mine, when he was 80, he decided to hide it. And the reenactment is literally a guy making a small pile of rocks. <laughs> I guess that's how you hide a mine. I don't know. Waltz bragged that he hid the opening to the mine so well that you could drive a pack train over it and never know it was there. Why? I don't know. You gotta hide your gold so you die and no one can no have one it. No one else gets it? I guess. And then you can give people cryptic, unhelpful clues of how to find it after you hit it so well? Yeah. I don't like this guy. Makes no sense. Several months after Walt hid his mine, he contracted pneumonia and was taken to the home of a friend named Julia Thomas. Before he died, he told his friends that there was gold from the mine stashed under his bed. And then Clay Wurst of the Superstition Mountain Historical Society, and who is my pick for MVM because he has a very nice salt and pepper mustache, mm-hmm. thought it was nice. He doesn't have quite the same overall look as your guy does. I but... already, I was already stuck on Ed, so... <laughs> Anyway, he says that Waltz told them he had been living off this gold for all these years. And according to Worse, the friends pulled out the box and said, My God, that's rich. It's got to be just a pocket. And Waltz said to them, No, it's a vein. Whoa. I know. I would be like, Why didn't you share any of this with us (laughs) earlier? Like, he's saying, Oh, there's like so much gold. You couldn't even imagine it. Why'd you leave it there? Why didn't you give us any? Why didn't you share it? Yeah, it's kind of a dick move. Like, there's more than I could spend in my lifetime. According to Worst, Waltz claimed that there was enough gold in sight to make millionaires of 20 men. Yeah. So you're only one man. Why well, share some of it? Send it to the podcast. This guy's such a jerk. Yeah, he didn't. I'm glad he's dead. Or he was just full of shit and it didn't actually exist. Then he's still a jerk. Well, he's a, yeah, he's a jerk either way, but. I mean, it's hard to believe that... I'm calling this the old jerk face mine. <laughs> the <laughs> like old the- jerk face mine? We have hereby renamed it. It's no like- longer the lost Dutchman's mine. It's now the old jerk face mine. Yeah, that's what a cool kid I am. I am. I'm going to show him. You're a poo-poo head. That's like... <laughs> that's that kind of an insult. Yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, well. Your mom. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to show his ghost. So instead of telling them exactly where it is, he gave them a few clues. And yeah, Robert's a dick. And Robert 
Stack says that he died before he could give them a map of exactly where the mine lay. So here are the clues. Uh, The setting sun shines into the entrance of my mind and glitters on the gold. That's not helpful. Clue number one. What? That's just saying there's gold in my gold mine. Well, it says that it's in the west, right? So the, the entrance of the mine face west. It's a kind of pretentious way of saying it, but it's that's how... I, I took that to say, guess what's in my gold mine? Gold. Gold you can't have. <laughs> gold you'll never find, suckers. So the second clue was you take the first gorge on the south side from the west end of the range. Okay. Which probably makes sense to someone who knows the area. I'm willing to just nod and pretend I know what that means. Uh Uh-huh. Then he said, you can see Weaver's Needle to the south from above my mind. My mine. Okay. Sure. Okay. Great. And that was it. Those were the three clues. I love Weaver's Needle. Apparently he was like, well, I could write you a map, but I'm going to die first. (laughs) And then he died. Uh, That's rude. (laughs) So they never got a map. He's in this woman's house as her guest. To die to in die, her house. And he can't even give her the map to the gold. Yeah. Kind of a dick move. Do you think he haunted that house afterwards? And was like, you'll never find the gold. <laughs> so the friends were so anxious to find the treasure that they went into the Arizona mountains in the middle of summer and searched for five weeks. But of course, they came out with no gold. Waltz's friend, who was a man named Reinhardt, searched sporadically for the mine for the next 50 years. 50 years! Yeah, and then he took his own life. They kind of made it sound like he was like, well, I'm never going to find this gold, so I'm done. I did write treasure-induced suicide down. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of sad, but it also apparently ruined several friendships. People who, I don't know, thought that you wrote down the clues wrong and... Now we're never going to find the gold. So now we can't be friends anymore. So that's what's going to happen to us. Is this foreshadowing? Well, we need a third friend who's found treasure, and then they need to contract Rochelle. pneumonia and, like, on their deathbed, give us cryptic clues that all write down wrong, and then you'll get mad at me about it, and then we'll, we won't be friends anymore. I can totally see this happening. <laughs> that's how this podcast ends. Yeah, that's the final. That would be it's so a predictable great if outcome. we scripted that as our final episode. <laughs> People are like, yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. Saw that coming. So, Robert Stack says that over the years, many treasure hunters have claimed to have clues to the Dutchman's mine, and some may have even found it. But curiously, they all die before they can tell their stories. Is the gold cursed? I have no idea. But that's only part one of the segment. There's a second part. Because it's so damn long. It's very long. So, Robert Stack returns in part two wearing his Alcatraz outfit. Apparently it was cold in Arizona when they he filmed this. Really loves that blue parka. It was a, the, his blue parka, and this time it was a white turtleneck. How many of those parkas do you think they bought? Do you think it's show? the same parka over and over again, just I with mean, different turtlenecks? I feel like for television, you usually wear a different outfit every time. But also, you have multiple ones in case they get messed up. That's true. But they don't really need it for continuity or anything, so I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe it was just his favorite parka. Robert Stack, tell us. Oh, God, you need to have a near-death experience, and that's the question you have to ask. Yeah, okay. Robert Stack, was it one parka? <laughs> that's or three parkas? As I stare into the universe, and I'm one with everything. How many parkas did Robert Stack have? <laughs> we need to know. Anyway, he tells us that the Lost Dutchman's gold mine is one of the greatest living legends of the American Southwest. Sure, okay. Some people believe it's just that, a legend. On the other hand... Government studies do indicate that there's a large quantity of gold located somewhere in the superstitions. 
Okay. And then he dramatically pulls out a glittering golden matchbox from his pocket, telling us that it's said to have been in Jacob Waltz's possession when he died. He also, yeah, and Robert Stack just, like, pocketed it. I, yeah, he just slipped it back into his parka, <laughs> and it was never seen again. Yeah. It was a sort of unusual gold. It had, a, like, a waviness to it. It was interesting. Yeah. That, that, that supposedly made it, it was unique, and it was from this mine. Yeah. That it was, I don't know. I'm, I don't know anything about gold. I mean, they seem to suggest that because he had this in his possession that he must have had a gold golden treasure. No, because... one can, no one can buy gold. He must have found it in the earth. <laughs> so Robert Stack also tells us that the ore is so rich that if the mine were found today, it could be worth over $200 million. I mean, it could. It could also not exist. There's a lot of options. <laughs> so 100 years after Jacob Waltz hid his mine, a modern day treasure hunter claimed that he had found the mine. According to Robert Stack, his name was Walter Gassler, and he was the head chef of the Baltimore Hotel in Phoenix. So, yeah, modern-day treasure hunter, also a chef. Huh. I mean, people are complicated. That's true. Using clues handed down from Jacob's deathbed description, Gassler spent most of his free time looking for the mine. When his health began to fail, he contacted two other prospectors, one of whom was Bob Corbin, the Attorney General of Arizona. The other man was the historian we met earlier who told us how we should find gold by going to find where gold already is. (laughs) So expert. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. He told them that he knew where the mine was and he gave them a map he'd drawn, but he wouldn't give them all the clues he had. He asked Tom to go with him, but Tom was busy that day and Gassler couldn't wait. So he had his wife, or Gassler had his wife drop him off at the trailhead, and he struck out for a three-day hike through the Superstition Mountains. However, three days later, he was found dead by a ranch hand named Don Shade. Don Shade is pretty funny. He says, well, I don't got a license to talk like a coroner, but I thought he was dead maybe two or three days. He looked to me like a nice little old man who found a lovely place to give up the ghost. To give up the ghost? It's funny. Can you imagine having a friend that was a prospector so that you could be like, oh, this is the perfect situation. I need to call my friend, the prospector. Yeah, and this guy had two friends. One of them who was... uh, I mean, I guess if you're in a prospecting, he only had two. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So a month later, Roland Gastler, Walt's son, came to Tom's office, Tom is that historian, claiming that his father had found the lost Dutchman's mind. He produced a piece of gold that Tom says looked very similar to the gold that allegedly came out of the lost Dutchman's mind. I don't get, get that. Does gold look that different? I have no idea. Someone tell me. Um, Robert Stack says that apparently Walt really had found the lost mind. R- Roland asked for the map that his dad had given them, but conveniently Tom didn't have it anymore. Yeah, where was it? Tom. I don't know. <laughs> He did give Roland his dad's manuscript, and it's not clear what is in the manuscript. Uh, Sometime later, Tom was approached by a different man who also claimed to be Roland Gassler. Tom says that my job dropped 10 foot to the ground. Which, Uh, that guy's really tall. uh, Tom asked the man to produce a driver's license to prove he was Roland Gassler, because he'd already met someone else who claimed to be Roland Gassler. This man did, and his license did in fact say he was Roland Gassler. So, who was the real Roland Gassler? Well, it appears as though the first man was an imposter, according to Robert Stack. Walt was found with a backpack, but the real Roland Gassler never received it. Uh, Don, the man who found Walt's body, says that there was a strange man in the area that day, and the man matched the description of the imposter Roland. 
Uh, so this is what I wrote. This whole side quest we go on in part two is really stupid. It's nothing more than an interesting story. In parentheses, I wrote barely that. We can't verify any of this. The map and the clues, if they ever even existed, are long gone. The mine is probably nothing but a legend. And this entire segment is really just a huge waste of time. Well, of course you would think that, Samantha, because you hate treasure. There's nothing to this. It's just like, yeah, is really... there a treasure out there? We don't know. Maybe. Shrug. And they make half an episode about it. It's really dumb. Look at this cool, what was it, a lighter? Look at this cool gold a matchbox. Thing I, look at this cool matchbox I have that I'm totally keeping for myself. Yeah, today the Superstition Mountains are a federally protected wilderness area. Um, I looked it up to see if it was still a federal wilderness area, and apparently Trump hasn't gotten to this one yet. It looks like there's still a lot of nice hiking trails. He probably wants, if you find gold there, he wants that gold. Well, here's the thing. If someone found gold on this land, the government would claim it, because it technically belongs to them. That's Um, part of what makes this even more boring, is if someone did find this gold... They couldn't even keep it. I know. That apparently hasn't deterred treasure hunters who continue to search for the lost mind. And they'll never find it because it doesn't exist, but whatever. What uh, was with that guy just making this up on his deathbed? A I jerk. Know. I don't know. I mean, maybe he did find a mine. It seems unlikely. Maybe he was, like, not really with it in the end. That's possible. It is possible. It's possible that he just liked the attention he was getting at the end and made Ew. up this story. Gross. I don't, I don't know. Because it seems like he's he never told anyone about this mine until on his deathbed. So right, how much do we really believe it? And like you said, there's enough gold to make twenty millionaires. Why would you keep that to yourself? Yeah, or why didn't you and like do not even use it? it. Yeah. He just left it in the ground. He hid the mine and then let. Like, Dude, I'll just wait until I'm on my deathbed. Yeah, years later he died and then he told people about it. It makes not a lot of sense. So. Yeah, it's odd. So I think Odd it's just a legend. And boring. And boring is right. So that was that. Let's talk about yours because your next mystery is really good. Okay, so my next mystery, I feel like I'm not going to do it justice. I'm just going to say that right now to take the pressure off <laughs> because it is my new favorite. That's a bold statement. It's crazy. Is, this is You like this one more than the Kurt McFall case? No, but it's like my new, oh my God, you have to see this. Okay, that's true. Because... You've already made everyone you know watch the Kurt McFall case. Yeah. Now yeah. they have to watch this one. Now they have to watch this one. Got it. Because... Yeah, if you haven't... Like, if, there's a lot of people who do follow along with the show and watch watch it and then listen to our podcast. If you're not one of those people, I would recommend this episode. Skip through the treasure bullshit. Yeah, you can just fast forward but, that. But the, the first and last mysteries in this one are so really good. good. I, after watching this... Because my jaw literally dropped 10 feet, just like that one dude's. <laughs> and I was like, what? And then I made, immediately made Mac watch it because there's a twist that I did not see coming. And whoa. Yeah, it was great. Anyway, this is a missing person going all the way back to 1956. So this is the Thomas Hotard and Audrey Moat case. A case I'd never heard of. No. I mean, maybe if we were in Louisiana, this was a big deal back in the day. Maybe we would be more familiar with it as lore. I don't know. This definitely, as a total Yankee, only led to my belief that Louisiana is a very mysterious place. (laughs) Yes. And full of hot gossip. Yeah. I totally believe both of those things. And this did nothing to dissuade me of that stereotype. Anyway. So, back in the day when everybody had very cool cars that were used in the reenactments, 46-year-old Thomas, was it Hotard? 
Hotard? Hotard? I think it was Hotard. Hotard, sorry. Hotard. I might be wrong. Was a Louisiana native. He was having an affair with Audrey Mote, who was 31. She was a divorced mother of three. She was raising kids on her own. She was, she was fucking gorgeous. Yeah, she She was a badass, was. independent lady. She was described by her daughter that they interview as being way ahead of her time. She was. And she fell in love with Thomas. So both of them were lying to their families and saying like, oh, I got to work Saturday mornings. And their families were like, oh, that sucks. Have fun. Oh, no. They were actually seeing each other, going into the swamp, making hot love in a car. Yep. Every single Saturday. They met because they were both interested in scouting. And it sounded like he ran a Boy Scout troop and she ran a Girl Scout troop. And that's like how they had met. And then... So they sort of had like a social excuse for seeing each other. And like her daughter was like, oh, Thomas had like come to my birthday parties. He had taught me how to develop film. He was a really nice guy. I didn't realize they were romantically involved. I thought they were just friends because they had this like reason to know each other. Anyway, um, in the reenactment, you see a father and son. This is hilarious. A father and son out hunting. And they walk <laughs> past this, this car that's like clearly like two people are are in it and the the well, i want to make sure i get it right the son's like dad what are those people doing and then the dad says never you mind yeah. and rushes him past never never you mind son and like, they like this little house in the prairie who says that <laughs> never you mind never you mind it's so adorable so anyway the next day they go out again and they walk past that car only this time yeah. thomas is dead inside Audrey is nowhere to be seen. Her purse contents are scattered on the ground. Mm -hmm. And there are her bare footprints in the mud. Yeah. But there's no other sign of her. This was a huge shock to the area at the time because everybody thought of Thomas as this, like, very quiet, serious family man. So the gossip that he was having an affair and was, like, it seemed like he was murdered, like, mid-doing it. Yeah. So, wasn't her clothes left behind? Yes, almost all of her clothes were left behind. So, if she, you know, like escaped on foot or whatever, she would only be wearing a brassiere and a slip. Even her underwear, her all left. pantyhose. Because they were speculating everything. that she just like left on her own or I something. Like, and no, she she's like her daughter was like around in a slip. Yeah, her daughter like she's running around half naked. I don't think so. Like not in even, the Louisiana swamp. Not, she didn't even have her shoes. Yeah, like the, her shoes were still in the car. So, oh, and this was also on Audrey's birthday. Just yeah. a little side note. Sad. I don't know why that makes it even worse, but it does. It does. <laughs> I was like, oh, this poor woman. Also, Robert Stack says the word cafe really weird. He does. <laughs> I mean, I realize, you know, we all have our own accents. We all have our own, you know, vocal tics. But I was like, oh, I've never heard that before in my life. I can't even do it right now. Anyway, there were a couple sightings. If we weren't of- afraid of being sued. We'd play some for you. Yeah. So you'll just have to go watch the episode. You'll just have to go, oh, huh. All D- right. He does say that really weird. Yeah. <laughs> little total unimportant <laughs> side note that I wrote down. So the, the reason this comes up is because there's a couple sightings of Audrey after Thomas's body is discovered. One is in a coffee shop where the waitress recognizes Audrey from the newspaper, but is like so clearly gossiping about her and staring at her <laughs> that the woman leaves. I don't think that was actually Audrey. I don't think so either. She said she looked disheveled and unkempt. Yeah. I don't know why. She. What are they trying to say? That she killed him and escaped? And then she was like on. People at the time were theorizing, like, oh, they had a lover spat and she murdered him and like ran off and literally 
but, her. But didn't. She was just like hanging out in cafes looking like a mess. <laughs> right. I don't get I it. sort of feel like maybe this woman kind of looked like Audrey and maybe this waitress just wanted in on this like hot, hot story. I time. think that's true. Um, and I think there was another sighting of her, but it was also equally stupid. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't even write down anything about it because I was like, that ain't true. So Thomas had been shot in the head with a 16-gauge shotgun, and that was fired at point range through a side window. I, again, it's from outside the car. It made no sense. There was not a second where I was like, oh, Audrey did this. But no. apparently some people tried to blame it on her because, I don't know, she, she was, was not she married. She was missing. Because she was missing and because she was a woman of ill repute, I suppose, in a, in a little bit of a way, for being divorced and having, having an affair sex. with a married man. Yeah. Right. So they think, I think some people kind of wanted it to be her, but that, that doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't seem like it's the case. Yeah. So they found Audrey's car was abandoned at a restaurant where she had met Thomas the previous day. It seems like the two of them just met somewhere and then drove in one car to the swamp. Mm-hmm. I don't... Is that really a clue of anything? I mean, if you're trying to dispute the fact that she, like, went away to start a new life or some shit. Oh, that's true. I guess she her left her right car. There. I so, don't know. I, I guess I never for a minute thought that, sadly, that she was alive. I no. mean, I wish, but no. Her mother-in-law received a strange phone call of someone going, Mom, I need help. I think that's a really cruel prank. I, think I don't so. think that was Audrey. What would possess you to do that? I don't know. That's... It, it's baffling, and I don't know why anyone would do it, but apparently they do. Yeah. What creepers. Okay. Okay, this has all been well and good. Interesting little, oh, whatever happened to Audrey? Okay, yeah, where Who is killed she? Thomas? Oh, this is... I like that it takes place in the 50s. a little something different. And then everything, you know, mic drop moment. <laughs> so, decades have gone by. We are now in 1980. A dying man named Ernest Acosta says to his family in a hilarious re- <laughs> reenactment where he's like, he's like sitting s- in a rocking chair, <laughs> dispelling wisdom on his family that clearly hate him. <laughs> with- his head's back and he's just like, he's like, oh, listen. So do you remember uh, when that Thomas guy uh, got shot by the swamp and that Audrey woman, they ain't never found her? Do you think anything happens in the swamp that I don't know about? <laughs> That's exactly what it was like. <laughs> well, guess what? I do know. And I was also like, first of all, for him to say, like, do you think anything happens in the swamp I don't know about? Like, oh, the murder you're connected to? Yeah, I think you <laughs> would know about that. Doesn't mean you know everything. Anyway, I just thought that was hilarious it really was so his version of events as he is dying is that his common law wife caroline who had conveniently died just a year earlier conveniently was the murderer because they lived on the like the edge of the swamp like right by on the edge of the swamp they were a mile away from where thomas's car and body were found and robert stack calls them surly yeah they're more (laughs) than this is the part where i'm like who the fuck are these people <laughs> because you get this description from bananas. his daughter that basically he just sits out on his porch and takes pot shots at people they call them pot shots that's shooting a gun <laughs> at random people just because you don't like that they get not on your property just too right? close too to your property close to your property which is crazy illegal 
And then his wife would just sometimes come out and yell at him. Yeah, the reenactment <laughs> is he's like out there twiddling some wood. With his shotgun across his lap. Waiting for someone to walk by so he can shoot at them. Yeah, like like they made him seem like he treated his full-time job as <laughs> sitting on the porch waiting to shoot at people for no reason. And then I was like, how didn't he kill more people? It's buzz- yeah. It's I- baffling and then high traffic area no true they're by some train tracks or something and yeah you see caroline come out and go i don't want the children underfoot next week blah 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 she's like yelling at him and she storms back and the the daughter talks about what a perfect match they were basically because they were both so 100 percent horrible could you imagine living in that house yeah, those poor Robert kids. Stack very politely is like, oh, they had surly representations. This is, I wrote down word for word what the daughter says about this man because it's, it, my mind reels. My father was a very mean person. He had no respect for nobody. If you came up to him to ask him anything, he wouldn't answer you. He would grab the gun, show it to you, and tell you what the hell you want. And if he didn't like what you wanted or what you said, he would tell you, hit the road, Jack. <laughs> What? <laughs> Think about your parents. I mean, people people have bad parents, but could you imagine? No. Could you imagine this? This this is if you do not live in the United States, this is what makes this country so interesting. <laughs> my life could not be more different than oh this God, experience. Yes. I have not. I I can't even imagine. I can't imagine this. At all. I really was just what who who. Also, was he just carrying his gun around 24-7? She specifically said how much both him and Caroline loved guns. And that's, like, basically what brought them together. I was just... He just had his shotgun with him at all times. Yes. They both just loved guns. They loved being horrible to people. And they loved shooting at people for no reason. So, obviously, it was a match made in heaven. His neighbor comes over and he's just like, he's like, hey, you going to the barbecue later? Look at my gun. (laughs) So, his version, his deathbed version of events was that... Caroline had some sort of business with Thomas that he did not explain really what that was, but that Thomas and Audrey had come to the house while he was not there and Caroline had killed them both in the house and she had called him and said, I need your help moving these bodies. And he had come back to put Thomas in the car and put the car by the swamp and that Audrey, this is another detail that I was like, this is not for my life at all, was tied to a civil war cannon (laughs) And thrown into the swamp. Because they just had a Civil War cannon, like, lying around. Yeah. In case the war started back up again, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Who has a Civil War cannon? What? These people. Well, they don't anymore, because they used it to weigh down the body. Because they used it to weigh down the body of a seemingly lovely, innocent woman. Anyway, the cops don't totally buy this story. They buy the fact that he was involved, they but... They buy the fact that he was involved. There's no evidence. too convenient he blamed it on his wife. Who had just died. Like, oh, you know who did that? Mm, Caroline. So, gotta go. Um, <laughs> gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> I'm gonna die, too. So, just so you know. He was... The police took it as... He was trying to relieve his conscience a little bit by saying, this is what happened to these people. But, conveniently, I'm not to blame. Caroline is to blame for all of this. What did they speculate? That he, like, came upon them while they were basically having sex? And yes. And then he decided to, like... The reenactment I forget for this, what they called it, but it was gross. The reenactment for this is terrifying. It's like a horror movie. That's what I yeah. wrote down. I was like, I can't believe this was just on TV like this. It's like a foggy swamp. She's wearing her slip. You, like, see her strip. You see, like, the back of her... I mean, it's, I realize it's just her back and a bra strap, but, you know, back in the day, this would have been scandalous television, right? You see... 
just that in the car mm-hmm. and then he like comes up out of the swampy marsh whatever the fog yeah, yeah. and he sees them and is he, the police said got excited Ugh, i think that's what it was it was so gross and murders them and they were like well we he think- shoots her and then in the reenactment she runs she's like screaming bloody murder in her slip and he's chasing her down that basically he shot thomas and then maybe took her back to his house or killed her there or just assaulted her it's they speculated that he took her basically uh, and you can imagine why yeah and that's it's awful which that's this guy sounds horrible. It could be plausible. Terrifying. I mean, his own children are describing him as, like, the worst person in the whole world. Right. So, <laughs> no yeah. one is coming to his defense as, like, a character witness in this case. Was there any follow-up? Because they took us to the site and they kind of showed where um, so the, the water had risen so much that they weren't able to search. Part of the problem with this getting solved now, yeah, is that the... The site where the car was no longer exists. That's all been eroded from rising water levels. Mm -hmm. So they had been, like, looking. They're saying, oh, maybe the detail about the Civil War cannon is true. Yeah, if we found it. If we could find that with metal detectors or whatever, then maybe we could find Audrey. The reason they didn't believe his story in full is there was no evidence the body was moved. The bodies had been moved or the bot. Sorry. There was no evidence. The body had been moved. There was no tire tracks at the scene. There was just Audrey's barefoot footprints. Yeah, it didn't seem and then like a men's shoe behind it. He had been killed elsewhere and then brought back to the car. It no. seemed like he was shot he through shot the, the window. Car window. So, but they were trying to piece whether parts of his story were true and they could use that to find Audrey's, body because her daughter did did want to know what had happened yeah and it's still unsolved and i don't know that because of the changes to the swamp that they'll be able to find her oh that's too bad i mean i think they just sort of go like yeah this this guy could have been involved they were they yeah. lived right there who else would have done it i mean yeah the unsolved mysteries wiki mentions that there was a dna test done but the, the the test the test results have yet to be revealed so the dna tested what they don't have her body in february 2011 remains were found that were suspected to be audrey's oh. her daughter gave police dna in hopes of identifying the remains especially because she has life-threatening cancer oh mm. however the dna test results have yet to be revealed and that was in 2011 so they maybe they found Audrey. I think we're just assuming at this case, at this point that Mr. Hit the Road Jack is <laughs> responsible. Is responsible or Caroline's responsible, I guess, but no, I don't actually think that. It it's it's fascinating. It was a very interesting true crime. Case. I love the way that it's shot. I love the music for this segment. You get like it's like, very blue swamp footage and yeah that looked great it just takes this amazing turn where you think you have this sort of oh what happened to audrey well you think when it starts out okay so they're having an affair it was a jealous you know partner or someone the father of the wife who he was cheating on or something like that that's where you think the story is going and then it just takes this wild left turn yeah where this crazy guy is sitting on this porch shooting at people (laughs) And you're like, what? You're like, I did not see this coming. What is happening? At all. But I, to me, it seems like Ernest Acosta was guilty. I mean, he has passed away. 
I maybe it sounds like maybe they found Audrey, but we don't know for sure. Yeah, so that's kind of where it is. I definitely think people should watch this segment. Yes, and it's a good one. The first and last one are good. Remember Audrey and uh, remember Lisa Marie. Those they're both sad cases. They really are fascinating, but really brutal, unnecessary, horrible deaths. Yeah, and then uh, some old man might have found some rocks. That's what's in this episode. <laughs> Should we rate it? Yeah. Oh. So mysteriousness. Mysterious. I say actually it's pretty mysterious. I think so. You, we don't know how all these people saw Lisa Marie Kimmel. Yeah. A thousand people sighted her in her car. What is that? So Despite odd. being solved, that one still has a little bit yeah. of mystery to it because how did all these people see her in her car? Yeah. So I'm a thumbs up for mysteriousness because, I mean, despite the fact that I don't think the treasure is real. It's so mysterious. Why Why did he lie about it? Yeah. Is there anything It's an interesting it? legend. I mean, those by nature are mysterious. And then, yeah. And then the last whatever one. Whatever happened to her. Yeah, is mysterious too. Where's Audrey? So I'm a thumbs up for that one. Reenactments, I think, were extremely really well good. Done. Very, very good. Yeah. That puddle shot, amazing. Even all these shots of Arizona, like they took their time getting some good aerial, aerial views. views of the desert and the mountains. And I mean, it's a desolate place. It gives you a good sense of where they're talking about and how hard it would be to try to find something. Some like, very specific place with some cryptic yeah. clues. Yeah. I thought that was really well done. Um, so yeah, my thumbs up for reenactment. Absolutely. Fashion? So so, I don't know that Stop anything sideways. really st- stood no. out to me. I kind of liked Ed my my pick for MVM's look, but yeah. Eh. Oh, I and I did like in the my second mystery. You get to see some like fifties. That was good. There was some nice southwestern cowboy clothes. But it's still kind of a in the eh. in the middle mystery. But I'm kind of a thumb sideways for yeah, fashion. I agree. The only thing I remember about Robert Stack was that he had a black version of the khaki trench coat yeah. at one point. Yeah, which looked nice. It was a nice change. And then he had the parka, of course. I mean, I'll give him a thumbs up. So I'm, a, I'm a thumbs up for Robert Stack. And also, uh, I'm just we're just gonna add in that prom photo. Oh heck yeah! So check out, check that out on Instagram. <laughs> Based guys. on this episode and then a prom photo that's not associated with this episode in any way <laughs> thumbs up thumbs up um mvm you liked what's his face i like ed i like what's his other the face Lisa marie mystery i liked the salt and pepper uh superstition historical society guy whose name i can't remember we'll put him on instagram you can tell us who yeah. you like i mean they're both there was a lot of mustaches both winners in my heart in this episode sheriff ketchum had a mustache that i said was parted down the middle in a very strange way oh yeah it had like a, a britney spears kind of part you know when she had like it was like britney circa 2000 <laughs> where she had parted I'm her sh- hair in the middle was probably the inspiration for his mustache it was the inspiration for my hair when i was younger but <laughs> i think it might have also been the inspiration for sheriff ketchum's mustache he was mustache. like how can i bring some of that into my life <laughs> you know yeah exactly uh he's not my pick for mvm though for sure uh yeah what do you rate this episode out of robert's Dad? this is hard because i was really debating this last night because i love my mysteries yes i, I love them too yeah yours is but you have to suffer dumb. through a really long treasure segment to get to them so i came to three and a half three and a half okay i was gonna give it four despite having to do the treasure okay. because i like true crime so much and we got two really good true crime They're really segments really good okay four i think is fair so because i'm a four out of five just fast forward through the stupid mind yeah, you don't have to watch it it's great just have use the skip ahead button yeah just skip through it and just, then you're good yeah then it's solid yep so finally, uh, recommendations. What do you got for us this week? 
We mentioned that we did Galentine's yesterday, mm-hmm. and I want to really emphasize, I used to be, you know, that mopey teenager who's like, I hate Valentine's Day, it's so stupid, <laughs> but you can- It is a fake holiday. Yeah. A Hallmark holiday, they just want to sell us cards and candy. I mean, it's true. Capitalism is the problem with everything. True. Not just Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, true, that's true. <laughs> you can make it whatever you want, is my- is what I was going to say. And you can make up your own holidays. And they're better and more personal than normal. If you think Valentine's Day is stupid, then just celebrate Galentine's Day, which is the fake holiday from Parks and Rec. Or just celebrate whatever you want. Celebrate how much you love your dog. Yeah. Celebr- you know, take them for a walk and have like a special dog treat or something. I mean, yeah. you could celebrate or celebrate yourself. Yeah. Have a little spa night at home. Take a bath. Do a face mask. Be like, this Watch your favorite show on Netflix. The night I order takeout from three different restaurants so I get the absolute perfect meal. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> um, for about, This is kind of too late, my recommendation. But I gave out for Galentine's Law, oh my God. Law and Order SVU Valentine's, which I've been giving out for years because they're amazing. <laughs> I loved mine. It was great. They are by the artist Brandon Bird, who is kind of known for like Law and Order artwork. That's okay. definitely how I came to know of him. I think he was on Conan or something talking about his Law and Order coloring book, <laughs> which of course everybody immediately was like, uh, Liz, are you aware of this? And I was like, why didn't I do that? It's so annoying. <laughs> do you own one? He has a, I don't actually, but he has a bigger book that I think is called The Amazing World of Art brandon bird or something that has a ton of different stuff in it and some of it his law and order coloring stuff is in that book he in this past year made a jerry orbach memorial car through a kickstarter so he made he got this like very law and order looking sedan and had it airbrushed with like eagles and jerry orbach like in his memory it's probably the most important art piece of our time (laughs) As says, says someone with a dog named Lenny Briscoe. <laughs> um, so definitely check out his Law and Order Valentines. They're hilarious. I realize it's already Valentine's Day, so it's a little late for that. But he does have other cool stuff. If you want stickers that say Caution Nicholas Cage, <laughs> which you can put on literally anything, he has those. I love the Law and Order Galentine that you got me. Yeah. You got the, got the... We make a great team. Yes. The SVU. <laughs> As podcast partners we we do yeah so i loved it (laughs) that so my recommendation be check out the artwork of brandon bird who also made a a painting of christopher walken making a robot it's like extremely detailed (sighs) be sure to look at that as well i love it check them out um my recommendation this week is not a book everyone's very shocked what um but it is about books oh and it is a way where you can get inexpensive books yeah so a long time ago i signed up for an email newsletter called bookbub okay book b-u-b i'm it's been a while since i subscribed to it but i'm pretty sure all i did was google bookbub and then put in my email address and you when you sign up you put in your preferences so if you like romance or if you like thrillers or if you like Which mysteries that's what samantha put in all, romance. I, get, all I get is romance. only romance recommendations please. uh no i think i get science fiction and thrillers i'm not really sure but every day i don't know if you can change your preferences i get an email from them every day that has four or five books that are discounted okay 
Usually they're on Amazon. They're almost always Kindle. So if you read regular paper books, you might be out of luck with this one. Um, but it's great. And sometimes it's hard to... I mean, these are deals that are already on Amazon, but this is a way to get a curated list of them kind of directly might be sent to you. Yeah. And you get to put in what you like. So it's one... For one, I found books that I wouldn't have found otherwise through getting these recommendations. And they're always... I mean, they're free. Sometimes it's zero dollars. Huh. Sometimes they're 99 cents. Very rarely are they more than like three or four dollars. Um, often I find that if the Kindle book is discounted, the audiobook is too, if there's an audiobook. Oh. Um, like I said, they come every day. There's also Kindle Deals, which is an email you can sign up for if you have an Amazon account. And it's the same thing where you put in your preferences and then you get Monday Kindle deals and it's four or five books that are discounted. Highly recommend them. Um, I know we get a lot of emails and sometimes it can be annoying, but I open these emails almost every day. And often I find deals on books because books are expensive, especially if you read as many books as I do. Um, The library helps, but they don't always have everything. And a lot of the books that are discounted on Amazon are lesser known authors. Right, sure. So they're not, it's, they're not always gems, but occasionally I found some really good books I wouldn't have found otherwise. So I highly recommend BookBub. I also recommend Kindle Deals. I also recently signed up for a newsletter through Book Riot, and I'm probably going to get this wrong because I just signed up like maybe a week or two ago. Um, it's I know the one I signed up for was specifically science fiction. There might be others. If you check out their website, you might find that you can sign up for other things or maybe put in different preferences. They're not deals, but they are recommendations. So I think last week I got an email about like the top five sci-fi novels that came out in February. And I actually did find one that I I used an Audible credit on. And I'm going to start when I finish the book I'm reading now. Um, so that's another good way. I have a hard time sometimes finding books like my my to be read my to read list will get really long and then I'll go through it. And then I'm like, what do I do now? And then I'll just have a Sure. A period of time where I'm just not sure what to do and what to read. So these are the kinds of things I find helpful, getting emailed suggestions. and There's all, there's just so many books out there that sometimes it's overwhelming to try and pick what you're going to read next. So I highly recommend these, especially if you like a good deal. Which, who doesn't? Yeah. I mean, obviously I do, because I somehow turned this podcast into an ad for Marshalls for no money. <laughs> Which Marshalls? Get Call in touch. Us. Please sponsor this podcast. Oh my God. I would sell the shit out of some Marshall stuff. I am. I just want to tell a story about my mother, since you're talking about Kindles. My mom loves her Kindle, and she loves a cheap book on Kindle. <laughs> Is she, she signed up for these the newsletters? That's what, the whole time I was just like, Mom. I need to mom, tell her about this. Mom. But, um. Is she signed up for Kindle Unlimited? I, I did that for one month and then I found that it wasn't really worth it. But. I don't think so because I think she specifically looks for books that are she re- reads a ton. Okay. And I think she specifically looks for very cheap books. And unlike you, loves a romance. Okay. So well. I was at the Russian tea house with her in Chicago, which is like sort of a fancy place. <laughs> and I'm chatting with my mom and she's talking about like werewolf novels and then starts to get super specific about werewolves and like different werewolf romance yeah different things about werewolves and their lore and just things that i had no like i was like yeah people turn into a wolf full moon whatever oh but there's way more there's way more to it about alpha wolves and (laughs) something something and i was just like mom how many werewolf novels have you read and she goes oh i don't know like 50 I 50? How is there even that many? There's way more. Oh, God. And these might have also all been 
gay werewolf <laughs> romance novels. I'm not sure about that. But I laughed so hard that I was crying, shaking on the table <laughs> that my mother has read 50 werewolf romance novels. The people next to us left. <laughs> They just threw money on the table, which I do not think was enough because it's an expensive place. And they just laughed because I was laughing so hard about my mom. Did your mom get offended that you were laughing about her love of romance, werewolf romance? No, she saw she saw the humor in it. I don't okay. know that she saw it like to the degree that I did. But then also, my mom, if you're a writer, you need something to write about. Perhaps you have a romantic bent. My mom would like you to know there's not nearly enough gargoyle books. <laughs> Wait, about gargoyle romances? Yes. Like romances between gargoyles? Or like people that turn into gargoyles or something. She was like, I've only found five. She was horrified. (laughs) There's a hole in the market. Yeah. If you want to sell a book to my mom, first of all, it better better be the 99 cents. (laughs) It better be on Kindle. It better be cheap. But gargoyles. That's what she is apparently looking to read about and there's not enough in the market. <laughs> Hi mom, I love you. I, can't, I wonder if when you go and you sign up for this newsletter, if you can check the box for werewolf romance. Werewolf. I mean, you par- only get emails about po- werewolf in romance. In a post-Twilight world, paranormal romance is okay, huge. That's true, that's true. And I, I maybe vampire it's kind of played out. There's ton, you know, there's tons of vampire romances. Well, there's werewolves in Twilight too, isn't right. there? Right. So... I guess you, there's just tons of books about okay. the werewolves also. Yeah. What about Frankenstein romances? Do you think that's big? I, maybe. I mean, it must be if gargoyle romance. If there's five whole books about gargoyle <laughs> romance. Samantha, only five. Only five. <laughs> only five. See, that seems like a huge number to me. But yeah, I, I, to I, your mom, it's nothing. I, I would have thought that was, you know, more than I would ever read in my life. But it's not Do enough. you think there's a loon romance? She, okay, this, oh, fuck. This, (laughs) there's, okay, she was talking about there's also books where people don't just necessarily transform into wolves. They transform into other things. Like animorphs? Yeah, basically. But for adults? But for adults. And that included, like, rabbits. (laughs) That included things that are not scary at all. That included hamsters. (laughs) That included ducks. Ducks. There's got to be a loon then. There's there's got to be a goddamn loon. Oh my god. I just Please wa- tell me the books are called Animorphs for adults. For Animorphs, but naughty and for adults. <laughs> it's Animorphs. But naughty. Animorphs After Dark. <laughs> I I would read the Animorphs After Dark. I don't like a romance, but I could I could I could try out one of those. I would read me. the Hamster. Is it Hamster Romance? I think so. I don't know how I feel about that. Just picture me in this restaurant, like, trying to look nice, trying to look like I belong in this place. Cackling about... Cackling. My whole body is heaving. Tears are not just, like, a little pouring down my face as I'm going, ducks? What? As I'm being sort of scandalized by my, my mother. Oh, the gerbil animorphs romance. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about that. Well, look... This is how we... It's your mother, I guess. This is how we close the show. (laughs) That is... what We couldn't top this. I've got nothing else to say. I've got nothing else either. (laughs) So in that case... (laughs) In that case, follow us on social media. Yeah, Perhaps it's you on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Get those Valentines made and hashtag Unsolved Valentines. Unsolved Valentines. 
tag us in it. Or Unsolved Galentines. Listen, whatever you want your your Unsolved Valentine to be, it doesn't have to be for a romantic partner. It could be for Robert Stacey's ghost. It could be, for, it could be for us. It Listen, could be for us. we'll be your Valentine. We would love some Valentines. Um, You can email us at perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. We are, I promise you, next month, <laughs> going to put out a bonus episode for everyone. That includes listener stories. Yes. It actually so, might be what we do in between seasons. I we, think that's a good idea. We're coming up to the end of this season. We're going to take a break. I think maybe a one week break between seasons. But we'll put out an episode and I think it's going to be listener stories. Yeah. So if you've got a ghost story, a weird story. Now is the time to send it to us. If there is an unsolved mystery in your town. We want to hear about it. Yes. Your family legend. Yes. The one, the, your uncle who claims he found treasure. We'll listen to that story too. We will. We will. We like it. No, but we will listen. <laughs> uh, so send us those at perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. Um, what else do we have? Oh, you can support the show on, at, on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash perhaps it's you. And that's how you get a bonus episode a month. It's also how you get a personalized postcard from us. They've you- gone out and... People have received their postcards, which I'm thankful for. They're not getting lost in the mail. The, and particularly the ones that are going to Australia. Somehow we have listeners in Australia, and we have sent two postcards over there. That's how famous we are. I think they've why. received them. Someone in Canada got a postcard from us. The system works. It's working. So far, so Thank good. Thank you, mail carriers of the USA. <laughs> and Canada. I salute you. Thank you. Uh, and Australia. I don't salute them. Sure. Well, it's, it costs a shit ton of money to send to send stuff to, to Australia. That's why we can only send postcards, because we'd never be able to... We have yeah. so many listeners in Australia, we could never, <laughs> we could never like, support they it. They deserve a chip of the magic rock that we found, but... <laughs> too cost, expensive. Cost too much. Too expensive. Not going to happen. Uh, yeah, patreon.com slash perhaps it's you. We are going to be putting out a, our bonus episode next month is going to be... Alien Autopsy. Alien Autopsy. Please look forward to that. Actually, it's this month. It's February because we have yeah. So yeah, that'll be. We, go, we need to get on that. Yeah, it's gonna be the end of the month, you guys. Uh, but you get to listen to that if you are a Patreon supporter. Um, do we have anything else? That's it. I think. I think let's let's just go. Leave us a five five out of five hour stacks <laughs> review on iTunes, and we'll talk to you later. Peace out.